Hello everyone, this is episode 7 of the Wrestling Tonight Podcast, and we are here to discuss AEW's first pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, and man, what a show it was. It was almost everything of what we made it to be. Personally, I didn't have a lot of thoughts going into this. There was... A lot of room to fill for this show, which gave it that chance, that potential. But on that note, man, what a show this was. From the pre-show to every match that led up to Mr. John Moxley making his debut for AEW and taking out everyone in sight. Man, I just like, it was just crazy of what happened here. So, first things first, I just want to run down the card. I don't want to jump from match to match. I have a lot to talk about in between, so we'll just start right away. We have the 21-man casino battle royale. Winner of the match received a future AEW World Championship match. It was against the main event, Chris Jericho or Kenny Omega. Adam Page picks up the win in this, uh, eliminating... MJF. Adam Page was thrown in this match after recent events between him and Pac. The match wouldn't take place on the AEW card. It happened overseas in Nottingham, England. They cover that many times throughout the show, letting everyone know what happened there. But there are some good names in this Battle Royale. Just going through you at Ace Romero, Orange Cassidy, Sean Spears, a.k.a. Ty Dillinger, Tommy Dreamer was here, Billy Gunn, Jimmy Havoc. Just a lot of nice names to have that mid-tier guys to help build a brand, to help build this company up, which I still have a lot of questions I'll talk about after we cover everything. But second match on the pre-show, which they covered, was Kip Saban against Sammy Guevara. Singles match, nothing great. Kip picks up the win. It was a real nice match, especially being on the pre-show. And that really gave you the feel of what is going to come tonight, what was going to happen. Starting with that, we hit the main card. First match, first show, the curtain jerker. Uh, Double or nothing, we had... SoCal Uncensored, which consists of Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. They're going up in a six-man tag against the Strong Hearts, which has Seema, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann. From, I forgot what company it is, over from China, they're saying a grown market there, which is very smart for a company like AEW, who's starting off strong to get people from a growing market onto the show. I know said companies before have tried to go there, but we're just going to strictly focus on what AEW is and has to offer. But man, it was a nice match. They built it up. So Kyle Uncensored picks up the win. It was... Nothing great. Christopher Daniels, Frank Kazarian, great tag team. 
put on a good show. They pick up the win and move on from there. So right after that, we had what was supposed to be a triple threat or a three-way match with Nyla Rose, Kylie Ray, and Dr. Britt Baker. But before the match is set to begin, Brandy Rose comes out, gives her spiel, saying how she was so happy for them to compete. And then, out of nowhere, newly signed, debuting, Awesome Kong. She's back into the women's wrestling business and puts them over in a nice four-way match to kick off. Dr. Britt Baker picks up the win, pinning in, uh, Kylie Ray for the match. The women put on a nice, good, quality match. Give us what their women wrestling business is all about. And then here is kind of where the cards started to lose me a little bit. Like, don't get me wrong. It was a well-built show. But if we're going to nitpick, the middle of the card is where it hurt the most. So we had a tag team matchup. We had best friends, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta. They went up against Angelo and Jack Evans, which Angelo and Jack Evans, two people I haven't heard of from the independent wrestling business, really put on a great show. I've heard of the names Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta through New Japan. They just, it was a good performance between two. Best friends stayed on top most of the match. Angelico, Jack Evans really made you believe that they were going to have a chance of winning this. But best friends prevail. Had a nice segment where they hung out. Tried to get them to hug like best friends do, and then they get attacked. Very interesting on what happened here. Not many people knew who these guys were. Who were debuted. Took a second. Lights went out again on this. And they had minions all around the ring. And they started to attack everyone in sight. Then as that was going on, the lights went out again. And these two people were inside the ring. Again, no names were given at the time until one of the people on commentary goes up and says he recognized one of them. But he really didn't give a clear statement on who it was at the time or why they were out there. But going through good old Twitter, trying to help everyone out, trying to figure out everything. We got the name of the masked man. His name is Evil Uno. He runs around with his group of minions, which they were with, and they debuted. His buddy with them is Stu Grayson. I don't know much about him, but tag team, thrown again, AEW. Really nice to see where we go from here. So after that match, we had another six-woman tag match this time. It was uh, a nice debut of Japanese women wrestlers. This really has shown that Women's wrestling in Japan is superior than all over the world. I don't know much of these women. 
I don't want to. I'll try to say the names. I don't want to butcher them. We had Hakiru, Shida, Rino Abi, Ryo, Mizunumi. And they went up against Akaya Kong, Yuka Sukazaki, and Ima Sakura. It was, again, I was saying this is where the card felt like it was dragging on a little bit. I was flipping between watching this and watching the Bucks Raptors game six. And the women wrestling in this has really shown that it's going to be no joke in here. As shown from the first match to this match, is they're taking this very serious. This isn't going to be a joke with them. This is their business. They're going to work with this. But this, yeah, this was a great match. If you like women's wrestling, it really showed all different styles from strong style to very little hitting. But all around, it was a good match. Team of, uh, Shida, uh, Rio, and Ryo, Mizunumi, pick up the win. And then now we get to the bread and butter of the match. The big draw matches that you guys paid to watch here. Or if you did pay, or if you were me, you found a stream. But we had Cody going up against his brother, Dustin Rhodes. There's a lot of build-up in this match. Cody was saying this isn't brother versus brother. This is era versus era. This is attitude era against this new PG era. A lot of talk from Cody previously going on and saying that he doesn't find the attitude era that good in professional wrestling. If you guys watched any of the previous tapings he did, talking about this match and building up to it that he really talked down on the attitude era and for someone like Cody who's a top name in AEW he sure has brought in a lot of people from the attitude era to help sell and I don't know if that's a ploy with him or the Khan family or anyone else up in charge but they brought in a lot of people from that area to help out, coach, train, ref, if anything, announce with Jim Ross. A lot of names were brought in from the Attitude Area to help out. And for someone like Cody to talk about, talk down on what he feels about the Attitude Area just doesn't feel right. But anyways, uh, that's my little two cents about that. I don't want to nitpick. I'm here to cover the pay-per-view. I'm not here to cover Cody's thoughts. But Cody has a nice little entrance. Speaking of the Attitude Era, we have what looks to be Triple H's King of Kings chair sitting up on top of the ramp. And as he walks down, his wife, Brandy Rhodes, hands him a sledgehammer. And he runs up to the chair on stage and smashes it. Which could be direct shots. I'm not going to speculate, but you guys can make of whatever you want from it. We know what it, who it's towards. But to get into the match, Dustin Rhodes, Cody, 
We've already seen this before, but man. I felt like, personally, those two could have delivered a lot more. Again, this is where I felt the card was dragging on still. Cody busted Dustin Rhodes very good. He was bleeding all over the place where he just, he couldn't even see. It was all over him. Brandy hits a nice spear on Dustin on the outside of the ring, which has Earl Hebner. Get it, uh, tosses her out. Cody ultimately picks up the win. It was a long match. It was a nice little thing to really get to the bread and butter of the show. And after this, I believe this was where the segment of we had the title announced of what the AEW World Championship will look like. They had Jack Whitehall out there, which I still laugh about this guy hanging out the AEW. I didn't find, I didn't know of him to be a wrestling fan. I'm not sure if he even is, but he's a British comedian and he's uh, welcomed out the hitman Bret Hart out to the ring, and Bret Hart was gonna debut the title of what it looked like. And before we were able to get to that, he wanted to call out Adam Page, who won the Battle Royale beginning of the pre-show, to earn his future shot at the title. He called him out, says, hey, I want to congratulate you before he was able to get to that. MJF, who was eliminated by Adam Page in the Battle Royale, comes out and interrupts. This guy, I didn't know much about him coming in, but hearing him talk, he could talk. Watching him in the Battle Royale, he has the body, he has the physique, he's able to move around. This guy's going to be a real star in the future. Hopefully with AEW, if not, he might move on to bigger and better things. We'll wait to find out for his future. But he comes out, he's the heelish heel, comes out, gives his spiel. And then two guys come out and come from behind and kind of corner him with Adam Page. As a bad reporter I am, I don't have the first guy's name, the curly-headed guy. He's real skinny. He looks no skinnier than I am. But the second guy that comes out is Jimmy Havoc, who has created a big name for himself in the U.K. wrestling. And he comes, they corner him, they beat the crap out of him. Adam Page helps out on a bad knee. And this is where Bret Hart showed off the title. It's a very big title. Very big. I don't know how I feel about it personally. Like, looking back, we had the World Heavyweight Champion, the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And that was a big gold belt. This belt looked bigger than that title. And with that, it had AW right across the center. I'm not sure. We'll wait to see it around Hangman's waist and see how big it looks then. But, yeah, my first thoughts on it, it just, it looked huge. It looked way too big to be a title. But here we get into 
what to be is my match of the night was Young Bucks defending the AAA World Tag Team titles against the Lucha Bros, Penta El Zorro, and Phoenix. And man, let me tell you, these two guys from the Lucha Bros, they can do almost anything you want. I've heard about Penta for some time now. I've watched one match of him when it was the Defiant Wrestling of Walt Culture. And I just always thought he was this big 6'4", 6'5", guy every time I seen him at Lucha Underground. I just, from his mask and his paint, he just he's scary looking. I thought he was this big man. But then I see him run around the ring and he... His height, he's, he's just a cruiserweight, but man, does the power this guy have is insane. And Phoenix, Phoenix is probably going to be like a, next to MJF, a top guy if he hangs out in AEW or if he moves anywhere else in professional wrestling. He, imagine someone... So, like, I'm trying to put in a picture of you guys if you didn't watch this match. But Phoenix is someone like Ricochet mixed with, like, a power of a Cesaro. And he's a cruiserweight. But, yeah. Anyways, they're going to... This match, nearly 25 minutes long. And every second of from jump to finish was just impressive I've had bad thoughts of the Young Bucks at first before I sat down and started watching their matches I thought they were just a group that just super kicked and that was it but they put on more than just super kicks they are one of the best tag teams in the world I wouldn't say the best with the Lucha Bros but they beat them I know there's a lot of other ones that we can offer that are very good. The Red Dragons, Undisputed Era, just the bar, a few more names out there. But, man, the Young Bucks put themselves on the map in AEW as one of the best tag teams in the world. And they want to prove that they are the best in tag team wrestling. I know that was one of their big things with creating AEW as a brand was to put tag team wrestling back on the map. And starting it off with the match against the Lucha Bros, it was it was a way to do it. It was just they hit you as hard as they can. Just the chops to the chest, the pile drivers, kicks in between everything was hard hitting. But Young Bucks prevail, still AAA World Tag Team Champs. We'll see what they go from there. I'm not sure what their next idea is for AEW. If they're going to have tag titles. I thought they were having women titles. But maybe it was changed last minute or I misread. Who knows. But we'll wait to see. Now we get into the main event of the night. Kenny Omega. Going up against the Alpha Chris Jericho and the longest match of the night deservingly so and to me 
It just didn't deliver up to the first time. These two fought a couple years ago over in New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom. And going off of this, it was, it just, it was hard, it's hard to relive a match twice. But this match was for a chance to face Adam Page for the AEW World Title. And going back and forth. Like, there was some pretty impressive moves going on here. The more I watch Kenny Omega, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, is he's really no different from a Roman Reigns, a Seth Rollins. He has a set move set that he goes to every time. Don't get me wrong, he has a wide variety of moves. But if you break down his matches and long matches like this that he delivers... They're remotely the same. As for Chris Jericho, just looking at him, you can tell time's catching up with him. It's unfortunate, but he still is out there doing line salts, doing the walls of Jericho, doing everything in between to keep himself going at the highest level. And going up in a match with Kenny Omega, you got to be in top condition. And Chris Jericho delivered. It looked like at one point he broke Kenny's nose going through the match. But the competitor that Kenny Omega is, he powered through, kept going. Then Chris Jericho wins, which surprised me. Hit him with the elbow, which you call the Judas effect. And that was it's a nasty elbow he hits him. It's a back elbow he hits him with. And it looks like it just knocks him clean. But here's where the fun began. So Jericho's giving his go-home speech to the crowd, letting them know. And there's a certain face that comes riding through the crowd. Good old John Moxley shows up to AEW's Double or Nothing. This surprised me at many levels because I didn't expect him to show up here. I didn't expect him to leave WWE the way they announced him that he was leaving. I had never seen that through the history of that company for that to happen. But here we are. He shows up. Treats uh, Jericho to a nice DDT. Welcome him to AEW. Attacks the referee, hits him with the one and kicks him out of the ring. And I'm not sure. I missed what happens, but I know he drags Kenny all the way up to the poker chips, to the top of the stage, top of the ramp, and hits him with the DDT on top of that and just ends the show with him sitting on top of the poker chips with Kenny laying next to him. This show is an NXT takeover. This is, it's a wrestling event. It is not for sports entertainment. This is professional wrestling. And I know this is what many people want and what people really enjoy watching professional wrestling. I enjoy watching professional wrestling. But now as we turn and we look at them 
setting up their weekly TV show on TNT is how are they going to deliver on the sports entertainment side? Because if you watch NXT over the last few years, it started to go down. The product started to lose its professional wrestling feel and started to become sports entertainment. And at that point, it really couldn't deliver on an hour basis. They have a lot of faces set up in AEW that can have, that are gimmicks that can help deliver this brand. Outside of Moxley, Jericho, and Dustin Rhodes, MJF, the rest of the roster is just wrestlers. That's it. There's no gimmick with them. They don't have much to offer. But... If we're going to set up professional wrestling, they are going to blow the roof off the place. But to sit here and say that they can be the better show and compete is how are they going to get fans to sit down and watch more than professional wrestling? And that's my biggest question coming out of this is the future is bright with this place. They have the right people in charge. They have shown... They could do shows. They did 12,000 here, 10,000 at all in. They said 20,000, but who knows? But they can deliver on the pro- uh, professional wrestling aspect. This is their guys' job, and they have shown that. But what can they deliver in the sports entertainment world? What can they deliver to get people to sit down and watch AEW on a weekly basis? And I'm not sure if they have much of that. I know they have time to sit down and plan it. But just sitting down right now after this event, I don't see much that I can do here. I can see matches sitting up in the future with people like Moxley and Jimmy Havoc and just literally watching a man die on live television or pay-per-view. But, all honestly, I don't see what they can deliver here. Time will tell. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to count this company out. I want them to strive. Because in this world, we need competition. And competition is going to bring out the best of everyone in charge. Whether it's WWE, AEW, TNA. Ring of Honor, all these companies in America, or if it's from ICW and Defiant Wrestling over in the UK, or New Japan, or Dragon Gate, or whatever it is, what are they going to do to be the best professional wrestling sports entertainment company? And... That's why we need competition here is to strive for that. I ran a poll on Twitter. And we sat down. And I asked the question of, did you pay for double or nothing? The price tag for the event was $50, $49.95 on BR Live, Dish Network, and DirecTV. 
I did not pay for that. The $50 price tag was too much for me to pay. And before the questions are asked about the past WWE events that were 50 to $60 per pay-per-use, I did not buy any of those at the time. In my whole history of watching WWE, there's one event that I bought that wasn't even paid with me, but it was bought. It was WrestleMania 23. It was the only one. But, yeah. To slide away from that, $50 was just too much in this day and age for streaming. And I seen a tweet, it was... Well, if they sold it at 30 bucks, people would complain and say they'd have no faith in their company. You got to sell the show short. Personally, for me, you got to get people to buy it. You got to get people to sit down and watch it first. Even if you charge 20 bucks, 10 bucks, 5 bucks for people to say, hey, this all elite double or nothing's on TV. I'm going to sit down and watch it. It's only 10 bucks. I feel like a lot of the audience will sit down and watch it and pay for it. And you'll get everything in between. And I would have personally paid for it if it was 10 bucks. But anyways, we're going to get to the poll. Ask the question, did you pay for double or nothing? Hashtag the AEW DON. 56 people voted as of right now. And it says 55% of them said no the other 45 said yes so I know a lot of people were splitting I'm paying it but like I've said this $50 price tag was just too much at the time but the show delivered the show's over with we'll wait to see the buys in a couple of days I might do a little segue on Wednesday's podcast on covering Raw and Smackdown to see what they were but right now we're just here to cover double or nothing and overall I give this show a nice 7 out of 10 the tag team match of the best friends against Angelo Jack Evans the 6 woman tag match and just Cody and Dustin were just it felt like it was a long period of the show we're just drug on with there only being six car uh matches on the main card, I felt like it shouldn't gone on as long as it did. The segment with debuting the AEW title drug on as well. I didn't feel like we really needed that at the time. But hey, here we are. We will learn as we go. AEW will learn as they go. But overall, this show was really good. It delivered on the professional wrestling aspect of what everyone wanted this company to be. Now, as we sit down moving forward, how can they build the show, sit down and get people to watch? Other than I got the best tag team in the world that's going to do flips against another great tag team of the world doing flips. I want to watch them grow. I'm going to continue to watch them grow. My buddies reached out to me and said, hey, let's watch this event, see how it goes, and if they come to town, let's buy tickets and go. So, I'm going to be a fan of AEW 
I'm not going to be a mark and say they're the greatest. This is how we should do things around here. But it's going to be nice to have a second company to actually rival with WWE. TNA did that for the longest of my childhood, and I watched a lot of TNA as a kid with AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Sting, and Kurt Angle, the Hardys, Booker T, you name it, everyone that went there. I enjoyed that. Now we're getting that with AEW. So until then, we're going to wait, see where we go from here with AEW. This is episode 7. I'm your host, Blake. You can find me at Wrestling Tonight on Instagram, all one word. Twitter, again, is at, at WT underscore podcast underscore. Tweet at me anything you feel like I should talk about. I'm always open to suggestions. But yeah, this is episode 7. Signing off. Peace.